Hey, welcome to Father in Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegrift, and I'm not the perfect dad, but every day I am trying to be better. Thank you so much for being with me today. I'm very excited about today's podcast because not only am I on video for the first time, if you want to check that out, but I also have my first special guest. His name is Vince Stegall. Vince, thanks so much for being with me. My pleasure. Yeah. You had to get the video out for, for I did. me. I broke it out just for Much Vince. more than a voice. Yes. <laughs> he is much more than a voice. Uh, no, but I'm happy to have you on the show today, Vince. Uh, you're a distant cousin, but not so distant. Yeah. And uh, we've had different relationships. We've worked together. We've been team members. It's been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most importantly, I think you are a good dad, which is why I wanted to have you on the uh, podcast today. Just take a little bit of time and just tell everyone a little bit about what you do, a little bit about your situation as a father, etc. Well, before we do that, should we explain the fact that we're on the set too? Okay, <laughs> like yeah. You started video and you also built a studio? Yeah, so no, I didn't <laughs> do that. But so here's the deal. So Vince works at this place called End Time Ministries. I worked there for 12 years. So if you see these pictures in the back with, you know, lions with eagle's wings, and it's a little bit out of the ordinary. No, this is not my set, but I'm trying to travel to all the guests' <laughs> place. So the set will look a little different depending on who I'm interviewing. So uh, Vince is probably the most unique with the set that he already has. But um, yeah, so we'll get that out of the way. But, Sorry, I thought it was like the elephant in the room. No, it's, it's, I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> so what was your question? You explain who I am kind of? Is that what you said? Yeah, just give like your little life bio, who you are as a dad, what you do. Um, well, my life bio is probably, there's probably not enough time for that, but, um, I am 33 years old. I have been a dad for three years now. I've got two kids, two boys, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And, um, I was raised uniquely. I had step parents my whole life on both sides. So I had a dad and a stepdad and a mom and a stepmom and, um, I was blessed with two great dads that had plenty of flaws. And so, you know, I've kind of grown up. um, I moved to Dallas when I was 19. And actually, that's when, I mean, we had met like at a funeral, I think, before that. I think you crushed a snowball that I made once. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) maybe. Um, But, you know, in 2007, I moved to Dallas. And uh, that's really when Anthony and I connected for the first time as adults anyway. And, uh, that's really what set me out on my journey of really all the things I was, I hadn't ever read a book until I was 19 when I moved here and, uh, all the, all that type of stuff. And so really any growth that I've made that I guess is trackable started at that time. And so for the last 14 years, it's been, um, really challenging to figure life out and still don't have it figured out, but at least a little further than I was. And, uh, God has helped me along the way. I've been married for seven years now and, um, really blessed in spite of, uh, the circumstances in a lot of cases. Yeah. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what you do here just to explain the set oh boy well um, I always when people ask me what I do I always tell them it depends on the hour because I'm kind of all over the place Um, my grandfather Irvin Baxter started End Time Ministries uh, officially in 1986 which was a year before I was born and um, so he passed away back in November and I know we're going to get more to this later, but um, 
since then things have changed dramatically obviously and uh so what i do it varies um i'm heavily involved in the finances i'm heavily involved in our web presence and i also uh, host the show now two days a week we have a daily show at um uh, five days a week and so i do you can self promote it's okay uh, in time.com in time <laughs> 100 in time uh, but every day at three we we do the show and so uh, it's radio and tv and online and so um that shifted in the last uh, nine months and um there's more shifting that is going to occur in the coming weeks uh, as we work on our governance docs and a lot of boring stuff that most people don't really care about so um i'm just heavily engaged in in several different areas and um i don't know i I could bore you with the day-to-day stuff but it's finance stuff web stuff and operation stuff i think the unique thing to point out and this is part of the reason why i want to talk to you about what we're going to talk about today is that you've had a bit of it a bit of a life of change mm-hmm. so you know you didn't that's all really, i know yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah you're the professional when it comes to living a life of change uh, i mean you didn't have the quote-unquote normal family that's right that changed up for you on both sides um even with work things have changed up constantly where you're a little bit over here you're a little bit over there mm-hmm. um full of life life change and that's what i want to talk about today with vince uh, we're going to talk about three instances that I think just about anyone at some point in life will be able to relate to at least one of these. Um, whether you're a dad or not, everyone will be able to relate to at least one of these things. But we're going to take these in a bit of an order, probably at least the greatest as far as how it's impacted you or close to that. But um, you've had the unique experience to go through some of these changes in a bit of a cluster, which isn't really the best way to go about it sometimes. but it happens. That's how life works. But um, let's start with what I'm going to call the easy one. And let's just talk about transitioning from home to home. I know, I feel like every time I hear about you and your wife that y'all are moving to another house. We you- just sold our house, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> when you said, said that to me saying you're going to ask me, I'm like, he has no clue that we just sold our house. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that's, that's how it works. It's, I'm not even surprised. It's just... It, you, you've moved a lot, you've transitioned a lot, and I know there's particular reasons that you've done this, but you've done this with kids. I know your kids aren't super old. You said three and one, but do your kids ever have questions about this? At least your oldest. Well, we've been in this house uh, now for two and a half years. So he was, you know, about six months when we moved in. Yeah. So he was barely old enough to know but i mean he was excited about it so uh but he's been involved in the process so he has a little uh wooden phone that he plays with and he'll he'll get on it and text people and he'll tell us that he's sending our realtor calling my name it's happens to be kate's uncle he'll say um I'm sending Uncle Ricky a house. And then he'll pull that phone up and he'll be like, hey, look at the countertops. And I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Look at the flooring in this house. And I'm like, wow, this is weird. So he's been involved in that. He sees us looking for houses on our phones. um, And he'll look, he'll swipe through and look at the pictures of the house and all that stuff on his wooden phone. And um, so he's been engaged in that process. But uh, he really has, they really haven't experienced uh it and it's all of its glory yet yeah so 
So they don't, he doesn't really have the experience of moving to a new place yet. Right. Okay. But I think it's cool that you've allowed him to be a part of the process the whole way. I think, I think it makes it less difficult for him, even when the change does happen. You know, this is something that he did in his mind. Mm. This is not something that you just did and he got kind of forced into. Yeah. Uh, we had a little bit of this with Frankie. Frankie, for us, he's almost five, but he's lived in three houses since he's been born. Um, yeah, so. Sounds like you're a lot like <laughs> us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, we have, we've had three homes and just about every two years we've got another one. So, that's not the plan moving forward because we're getting close to that mark again, but we want to stay where we're at. Um but the last house that we looked at, Frankie was three when we were looking at it, and we brought him to go see it. Uh, it worked out really well. One, it was bigger because we wanted to expand the family. The plans to have four, we've, we're at three, so we're almost there. Um, but they also had a little toy set that was left out in the living room. So for Frankie, he called it the big house, and when we told him that we were going to get it, his whole deal was, but are they going to leave the toys that were there? And it's like, ah, probably not. We did ask about it. We actually did. And they're like, no, we have grandkids and that's the only toy we have. Oh, okay, great. So, you know, we had to go buy something else for Frankie. But I think what is helpful that we did and with you involving them is just being honest about the process. Because I know that this is going to change and vary for people who have older kids. So, yeah. I think back, you can talk about this from a personal experience too because you you mentioned you moved when you were 19 i was 16 uh when we moved to dallas when i grew up in orange texas very kind of slowish small town um it's funny going back home after you've lived in dallas mm -hmm. you're just like max was speed. i this way before <laughs> yeah max speed limit of 45 mile yeah, an hour exactly it's it is it's crazy how much change happens uh when you move to a fast-paced city but it does uh but I don't know, like everything that I knew was in orange for the most part. I had a bit of a unique experience and so I probably am an outlier in this conversation, but I was in a program called Bible Quizzing, so I traveled all across the nation as it was. So I had friends just about everywhere and I already knew people in Dallas when we were getting ready to move here. And as much as I wanted to be with the friends that I had in orange, I wasn't opposed to the move. I was kind of looking forward to it. So I know not everyone's going to be that way. Um, but I'm going to say, dads, if you're listening to this, probably the best thing that you can do with your kids when you're getting ready to make this transition is just be honest with them and be truthful with them. We told Frankie we're moving to a big house because we're going to have a bigger family and we need the space. And he liked the idea, which he was three, so he likes most of the ideas that we throw at him. But um, I think it was helpful for me knowing that we were getting ready to move when I was 16. I knew the circumstances surrounding it and I knew that it was going to be a good thing for the family. So... With everything being just upfront and honest with me, I think that helped me. Well, the point of it is, is like for us, we're we're prepping his mind so that for that transition, like when he gets a new bedroom, uh, when he wakes up in the middle of the night and he's not in his bedroom, exactly, he's somewhere totally else and has no idea how to get to our bedroom, right? And so it's like we're prepping his mind for that massive transition. It's a massive transition anyway, but for him, it's like crazy and so we're like prepping his mind to be able to navigate that which you know he won't be able to do but we're we're help, helping him the best that we know how exactly. and that's just like you said simply involving him and um you know helping him 
start thinking about it that way it's not such a shock exactly. the crazy part for us is we're probably going to be in an extended stay hotel for a little while <laughs> so it's gonna be really interesting so if you wake up just turn left and we'll yeah, right right there. Yeah, just reach over <laughs> i'm probably right here <laughs> yeah well that's gonna be fun all right so i think most people might deal with that oh there's a lot of people who just they find a home they stay there forever and so maybe not applicable to everyone but i think the next one is going to be something that we all deal with and you already mentioned this but you lost your grandfather you called him poppy mm-hmm. uh, he was technically my, not by choice now you know yeah you, you inherited <laughs> yeah that, that's it, what they told me to call yeah, it Vince thought, you know what i'm gonna call this grown man poppy well, that like, was fine until i was like 13 and i'm like man i feel like what do i feel like yeah. i'm calling this i'm a man at 13 you know <laughs> now i gotta call this other guy home. poppy yeah <laughs> but I, I grew out of that and at some point it became fine and yeah so that would go really well in grades hold on i need to call my poppy yeah it's ridiculous all right i'm so, gonna go to the bathroom i'll see you tomorrow right so. um but anyway he was he was my great uncle uh you were much closer to him than i was but i was happy that I, we did have a relationship but you lost him and being a grandfather he's He's a big part of the family, and he was already a big part of the family for all of us, but especially for you. I know he was a source of stability in the midst of all your chaos when you were younger, too. Um, And he's been a big part of your life ever since. So November the 3rd, he passed away, and it was a big shock to all of us. He's a huge figure. He's a leader of the family. Your kids knew him. Mm -hmm. How do you explain that? Well, what what we've told Brady, and of course Shiloh's too young to realize it, but you know he—that's that's a sad thing. It's like he's never going to know him. Now we've got videos and stuff like because we record all the time, but it's still he's going to look at it and go, you know, that's just some guy holding me when I was a baby, um, which is sad. But um, for Brady, he was very close to Poppy, and um, he almost every day ask about him still so it's like man i mean it's been it's been nine months yeah it's nine months and this two-year-old now three-year-old still ask about him so they were he really loved poppy and so what we've told him is just because he was there for the funeral he saw him laying there he said poppy's in bed you know like he saw him in the casket and was like the most logical thing for him was that he's laying in bed right now. And so we're like, you know, that's what I, I just felt it in the moment. And this is what I've told him ever since is, uh, that's Poppy's old body. He's getting a new body. And, um, you know, he's with Jesus now and that's his old body and he's getting a new body. And so he was sick. His, he doesn't have an owie anymore. And, um, you know, he's with Jesus. And so, um, he'll say, Poppy's with Jesus. And we'll be like, yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, are we going to go to Jesus? And I'm like, one day. You know, and he's like, uh, like, and some sometimes he's like sad about it. And he'll go, he said, one time he told me, he said, Papa, I don't like Jesus because he took <laughs> Poppy. <laughs> I'm like, well, fix that. yeah, that, that'll, we'll clear that up <laughs> when the time's right. But, um, so it's just, I guess that's been our focus is like, you know, all the, you know, the owies that Poppy had are going away. They're gone and he's getting it. He's in the process of getting a new body. And so that's kind of how we've explained it. And, um, I don't really know what else to say to him. You know, it's like, 
Poppy's gone and there's like we'll watch some videos of him that you know of them together and stuff like that but it's just the best thing we've been able to do for him at his stage is just tell him he's with Jesus and he's getting a new body and that's that's been like okay I guess yeah it's working out you definitely have to communicate to kids on their level um Frankie had met him a couple times it wasn't near as close as Brady was um but so I did this thing, and I've talked about this in the podcast before. So used to, before my wife bought a storybook with the Bible stories in it, I would just, from memory, tell Frankie the Bible stories. So, like, you I don't, try to do it accurately, or you put your own little twist on it, like, for no, fun? No, like, I give him, like, the literal story. Okay. So, like, when we talk about David and Goliath, it doesn't end with David you know, throws this rock and hits him in the head and he dies. It ends with David cuts his head off with the sword. Like yeah. I, I throw in the details. Uh, so with Frankie, he was already exposed to probably more than he should have been. So, you know, I did use the term, you know, he died with Frankie and I, and I did my best to try and put that in terms that he would understand of, you know, what, what death really is, is now he's resting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think that's important. Like what you did with Brady and what I did with Frankie are a little bit different, but similar in the sense that we communicated to them in their terms. Like, did you tell him like just like Goliath, Poppy? Or I didn't tell him just like Goliath. Like, I, no, I'm just, <laughs> that story comes in here. I'm like, wait, <laughs> no, 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 he wasn't Goliath. Uh, no, I just that that's just to express the point that with with Frankie, I have not really sugarcoated things with him. So yeah, yeah. ever since he's been young, it's just been. Yeah, I even joked about it. Yeah, I told him the story of Samson once, and I just started the story, and then halfway through it, I was like, "Hold on, Samson did something with some women. How in the world am I supposed to tell Frankie this without telling Frankie this?" So um, that's been that's been fun, but um, I don't know. I use the term so like you never mentioned that you actually said that he died. Like you did, you didn't use that terminology with Brady. Maybe you did, but I have. It's just not like for some reason that. Uh, he's getting a new body thing has kind of been yeah. the main thing and and, and yeah and I, I agree i agree with that and, and i think the terminology that we use with our kids whatever works with them i think is what we should use whatever mm-hmm. they comprehend whatever they understand um and i i, I think it, i think it's good the way that you've handled it and i think it's important for other dads to realize that the way that maybe you dealt with Brady on this is not the way that everyone can deal. Like, yeah, you can't just tell them, Oh, they're going to do body. Like it's not going to work for everybody. Um, well, Jim Gaffigan has this joke and he talks about how his kid asked him what this antenna is. And he's like, it's a stick. Like his kids, his kids saying it's a stick. And he's like, no, it's an antenna. He's like, it's a stick. And he's like, no, it's an antenna. And he's like, what's an antenna dad. And he's like, uh, it's stick. <laughs> yeah, like whatever. And so, like, I I guess like initially I'm going. I don't know how I'm going to explain died to him. Like, yeah, I don't know how to do. We don't have pets. We've never sure. had a goldfish die and all that. It's right. like I don't know how to explain died to him. Yeah. So it's like for some reason that new body thing is what hit me, and it's worked. Like in that, yeah. I don't know how to explain that it's worked, but it's worked in that. Like he. Well, has it helped them be know. at ease with everything? I mean, it's a big change. It's hard to say. I mean, you kids know? take in so much new yeah. information all the time, and they have zero context to actually normalize it or process it yeah. the way that we do. Um, 
it, so it feels like it's worked. I guess I should say. Yeah, I well, can't explain how it's worked. Yeah, that's. I mean, as long as you're not having like these. You're not having any issues from that. Yeah, yeah he yeah. misses him, and that's totally normal. The grieving process has to happen, but, I mean, he's accepted your explanation. Yeah. And it's not like you've, you haven't lied to him. Like, you've told him the truth mm-hmm. in a way that he can understand the truth. Um, and I think that's important. Um, I know at different ages when you lose people, I remember losing my grandmother, and I was probably seven or eight years old. Um, and it was it was challenging. There were some nights I cried, but it was just, you know, I knew what had happened, and sometimes it's just being that comforting parent that was mm-hmm. helpful for me. So, uh, I think it's definitely important that we communicate to our kids however we understand them to understand things so that they can process it properly. Uh, but here's the big one I want to talk to you about, because when he passed away, like you said, he started this ministry back in 86, but he'd been doing it for years before then, before he officially started everything. Uh, you were already part of the team at that point, and he had already started to transition some responsibility to you. And when he passed, I'm sure that much more responsibility had to go somewhere because, I mean, I worked there for 12 years. I know he, he never stopped working. I mean, this wasn't a job for him. It was a passion. It was his life's mission. Even when we got together to do family things, like he would be there and he would eat and then he would disappear and he'd be in his office because mm-hmm. he's reading, he's studying, he's writing up another lesson to teach, etc. How did you deal and manage with the additional workload and trying to balance that with your work family life? Well, um, you know, I the with with him it's like okay he's dead and he's not only my boss but he's also my grandpa and you know growing up i won't get into a lot of this unless you want me to but i know maybe we'll talk about it later but um my parents were divorced shortly after i was born like literally months and um so when i would go to my mom my mom's side it was actually his house and so i was in his house every other day for the first six years of my life or so and then even heavily engaged um through up through my teen years um and so he you know when you lose somebody like that you know i just happened to work with my grandpa so it's like you know wow this is weird you know it's like grandpa boss all the things all these areas of my life now are being challenged with uh grief and so first i like made sure that it was okay to grieve but you know i was like um it doesn't really matter like how much work I get done. I like to get things done. I like to make lists and check them off and you know, I feel gratification in that and but in those first several weeks I'm going it doesn't really matter like I'm not going to worry about that as much and I'm just going to figure it out. And so for me I was like I'm not going to work into the night. 
there might be days when I have to do stuff because there's random stuff, you know, like prepping for his funeral. I helped yeah. uh, make the slideshow and different things like that with it. And so I'm working with some of our team members here to do that. And I'm going, I might have to work till seven tonight or there's a dinner or there's all these things in those first few weeks. Right. And so, you know, there were there were exceptions, but I'm like, I am not going to work past five unless I just have to work past five. Um, so what I do is I get up early. I get up very early every day. I noticed. And uh, yeah, <laughs> this is not. <laughs> we're uh, on dad time. I'm going to interject this real fast. I get to record most of my podcast at night because that's when my kids go to bed and I'm a night owl. And then when I asked Vince if he could do an interview, he was like, yeah, anytime before seven, I can be ready as early as five. I was like, dear God. So, uh, yeah, so I'm doing a miracle thing for me today to be up this early. And uh, Well, I also, like, said what time, and you gave me the choice. So, it's like. Yeah, well, I knew I needed to get here. I needed to set up. I needed to get about my day and all sorts of stuff. And, you know, Amelia, JoJo, is like what we like to call her, she's been cutting teeth the last couple of days. So, I've been up one thirty, one thirty. I tried to go to bed by, like, 11 last night. And then I was up at 5.20 and I don't do well when I wake up early. So I was like holding my phone because I knew like if I doze off, I'll drop this and it will startle <laughs> me and then I'll get up. Uh, but I did well today. I'm proud of myself. Yeah, anyway. Good job. So well, you, you get up early. Yes, because I decided a long time ago that um, I'm not going to neglect my wife and my children in the evenings. Now, there may be a time when I have to. I'm not, you know, I just, I, I've worked two jobs for five years and sometimes three jobs so it's like the only way i could pot and i do that not saying all that to say whatever you know like oh i work two jobs it's that we we decided but my, my wife and i decided before we got married that we would want her to stay home with the kids and so before we had kids we worked our tails off to get in that position um we sacrificed a lot to make sure that could happen and then part of that to be able to make that happen is that I work a side job and so to make that happen I decided then I'm not going to do it in the evenings to neglect my time with her because I work a strict office hours of eight to five so it's like it's not like I can leave it two and be sure. with her in the afternoon I mean some days obviously but you know most days it's eight to five and then I said I'm not going to neglect my wife and children in the evenings you know my kids go to bed at like 730 if we're exactly if we're on track so that means I've got two hours with them in the evenings right. and 10 hours a week during the week and then of course all weekend that's just not enough and so I'm going I can't work right. <laughs> you know like they're don't get me wrong I believe in working and all that stuff sure. and if you have to work in the evenings through a season do it uh you know you've got to survive but for me i'm going i have the i have the flexibility where i can get up early in the morning and do this work yeah. before my job start my day day job starts right and so that is part of how i navigate all of the work is i decided i would do it while they're sleeping because they're not going to get up this early yeah. and so they have no idea that i'm working right. um and so that's Part of how I manage it from a time perspective is uh, I get up before they do and I don't work while they're awake yeah. except for the day job. Yeah, I think it's really important. I've talked about this before. It's difficult to balance things because when you've got to have the income in order to have the lifestyle and you don't have that unless you can actually put in the time to get that income. 
but I, I've talked about it from my perspective, you know, best case scenario for me is I wake up and our kids get up probably 6.30 to 7 by themselves. I don't know that I'm their father, but that's what they do. Um, so, you know, I get maybe 30 minutes to an hour with them in the morning. And by the time I get home, it's usually close to 6. So, you know, we have 6 to 8, 8.30 if they're a little bit rebellious. You know, so uh, best case scenario, I've got three, maybe four hours a day with them. And I feel like that's just not enough. For me, that doesn't feel right because, you know, you've got 24 hours in a day. I feel like they merit more than a sixth of my day. Right. And so that is a bit of a challenge. And, and I knew when things happened that there would be more responsibility that fell your way. There would probably be more stress, more pressure that, that came as a result. Um, but you've held up well. And that's why I wanted to talk to you about this because I know people crack under pressure like this. I mean, you had like this trifecta of misery that fell all at the same time. You know, you lost a mentor, you lost your grandfather, you lost your employer, but you had to take up so many other things. And I know that you've done other things outside of this. So like just recently, you went through the process of being an ordained minister. Mm-hmm. When you want to talk about that, any? Sure. How did you fit that in to the chaos? Uh, well, I make lists and I only do what is in the top spot. Yeah. And so I fit it in with the schedule of getting up early. And so uh, actually the death of my grandfather inspired me to pursue that. And so I started back, I don't know, beginning of the year and went through and did the requirements for that. And um, so, I mean, it's just another thing, you know, yeah. it's. Just one more thing to manage in the schedule is really how I break it down. And then, you know, there's a lot of work involved. And so, you know, you just do it, I guess. Let's give them some bonus content. So, how do you break down your list? Because I know that a lot of people struggle with trying to manage priorities and manage their time properly. So, what is your method? What do you do for your list? I'm a Dave Ramsey nerd from all the things. Like, I like Dave Ramsey. And so... In his book, Entre Leadership, he talks about flavoring your day with steak sauce. And so what you do is task management. Uh, You list all the things that you have to do. Like if it's 100 items, that's fine. And then you put A's beside the things that you want to do that you need to get done today. And then you put B's beside the things that you'll do if you don't, if you get all the A's. And then you put C's behind the thing that would be nice to get done if it were possible. Then you go through all the A's and do one, two, three, four, five, six, however many there are. And then same with B's and C's. And then you have A1 that you focus on and that's flavoring your day with steak sauce. You don't worry about A2 until you're done with A1. That's cool. So I do that. Now, the problem is, is, you know, we have a team of almost 30 people here and we work with a dozen or so contractors on a regular basis and stuff comes up. And so I do work that as closely as possible, but there's interruptions that I can't prevent. And so you just, I don't know. I live a pretty stress-free life. I, I believe in some of the principles that we've both heard with the with God gravity and yeah. uh, living with an open hand and just being okay with managing what you can manage and yeah. you know I've always I've, for as long as I can remember I've said um, I can't control how people act but I can control how I react and so sure. you know I'm gonna do what I can do and not worry about it yeah so that's just how I do it yeah then that's the best way to do it and that's very much how I am 
it annoys my wife that I'm that way sometimes. Uh, I'm patient and calm and I accept, I accept things as they are because I, what else what, can you what, do? What am I going to do? <laughs> I don't have the ability and power to change everything to, you know, will it to what I want. But, um, you know, just you have to go with the flow a lot of times. And I've talked about this. It's important. You have to learn how to embrace chaos because, I mean, if you try and fight against it, it's just going to be an uphill battle that you're never going to win. Mm-hmm. So you let it happen. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. But the storm always passes and. You know, the sun always shines again. So uh, I, I wanted to hear your take on the list. It's really funny. I had a psychology professor taught very much basically the same thing. He just didn't call it, you know, steak sauce. So he did I like steak sauce A, way B's, and C's. Yeah. And his whole thing was, you know, if, if you've got three A's that you have to do, if you haven't finished them and your friend's kind of like, hey, you know, let's go out. We want to go party. Like, I can't do it. I have to work my A's off. And I was like, you know, it's kind of weird. I was the only kid in the class who laughed, but I was older by the time I went. And all these 18-year-olds were like, there I was laughing with the professor. So, I was like, okay, maybe we'll be on the same team. Well, and and part of that, too, is like if something stays in a C for long enough, it's not important to you. Exactly. You need to drop it or delegate it. Like, part of part of being successful with a to-do list is to have a not to-do list. Yeah. It's like you have to you have to determine ahead of time things that you're not going to do and you also have to be willing to say no, which sure. is an ancient word that we don't hear very often exactly. anymore. But I'm like embrace that where it's like Yeah. I'm I'm not un, it's not uncomfortable for me to say no because I'm like I know what I'm supposed to be doing, exactly. so I cannot do that. Exactly. I don't go to the full ABC type thing because sometimes I get too lazy, honest confession. But um, I do break things down to where this is what I know I have to do. Here's some things over here that I would like to do at some point. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I throw things. And whenever I have free time from the to-do list, I go back and I check this out. Like, you know what? I did want to do this. Let me, let me make this a priority now. So my, my list is managed on Trello, if you can imagine <laughs> that. And so that's I have a long list of pending items like yeah. you just mentioned. Yeah. So. That's cool. Um, Okay, so we've talked about, we've briefly talked about transitioning home to home with small kids. Um, Key takeaway there, I think, is be honest with them. Allow them to be a part of the process. We've talked about dealing with grief, losing a lost loved one, trying to interpret that to your kids in terms that they'll understand. Um, And then we talked a little bit about dealing with the chaos of changes with work. So, you know, there's more responsibility that falls on you. You're clearly doing a lot more now than you were doing, or you're at least doing different things outside of what, you know, your typical scope was before he passed away. I've got a little more to say that I want to say. Say it. If I can. Come on, John Mayer. I don't believe in work-life balance. Okay. Like, I think if I get in a fight with my wife, which honestly we don't do really, like, she may try to disagree with me, but sure. like you, I'm like, whatever, you yeah. know, like as far as I'm not going to get engaged in this yeah. and she gets mad at me. She's like, yeah. you're the reason why we don't argue. <laughs> like, what's well, cause it's, a fun, it's fun to be on that side. <laughs> if, if you, if you want it that way, I'm whatever, yeah. you know, it's cool. I can survive. Uh, but, um, if we were to have a disagreement that shook me, yeah. And I come into work. It's not like I walk through the doors and I turn that off. Oh no! I'm that upset husband or stressed out husband or what? Yeah. And same with work. If I 
like she came here and we had lunch together the other day and uh i get i get in our van and i'm driving and she's like you had a rough day today i'm like no it's good i mean had a few conversations to navigate that were uncomfortable but i'm good you know it's not like it's everything's good like yeah. everybody's good and she's like you're driving kind of erratic which you know how i drive <laughs> like i drive the speed limit exactly. i stop at the stop sign <laughs> yeah i mean i set those crews at like three over but uh so i don't want to get too far out of hand yeah, but yeah. nonetheless she's like noticed that my driving was and i'm like i'm not sure there was any accuracy to that but my point is that if you have frustrations at work, you're going to take that home with you. And so it's not like you can compartmentalize and, and um, just turn things off entirely. And so it's really important to uh, like, we've talked about accept things and be okay with them, even if they're not okay. Like you don't want to just settle for uh, um, dysfunction, but you, you can't get all bent out of shape where you can't function in the moment. And so you have to be willing to say, I'm going to embrace all this and be okay. And uh, I've got to be a good husband, a good dad, a good coworker, a good, whatever you are. And um, it all kind of blends in together. And so it's important to get those other areas of your life worked up too. Exactly. It's really more life management. And here's some things that fall under that big umbrella of my life. And, I'm the same way if Lindsay and I have some sort of a scuffle and or I'm bothered about something, she already knows. Or like, you get an unexpected bill in the mail. Like, it's anything. Yeah, it's if like something happens and it catches me off guard and for whatever reason, it triggers some emotion and I'm just kind of down. That's, that's the way I get. I get down. I get a little bit quiet and she just knows I just I need to sleep. When I wake up tomorrow, I will be better. Just give me time to process that. And I think I think that's important for us to do. I mean, even like you said, you have to be able to function within the moment. So sometimes you have to set things aside. But I think it's really important that we always go back and deal with them. That you always It's like the grieving process. Like if you lose someone special and you never grieve, you're going to give yourself issues down the road. Mm-hmm. Like you have to go through it. So I think it's important as you navigate change, as you navigate things that catch you off guard, even if you don't want to think about it, take the time to think about it, to process it, and to accept it however you are able to do that. It's pretty easy for me most of the time. It sounds like it's pretty easy for you most of the time. I mean, we understand there's certain things that we can't change. There's certain things that we don't get the ability to dictate, and they just happen. So it's just a matter of I'm going to accept this as it is, and I'll work around it. I'll work through it. I'll do whatever I need to do, and... Um, I think that I think that's important. I'm glad you mentioned that. I don't know that it's easy for me. I just decided I'm not going to let it sure. paralyze me. Yeah, it may still impact you, but you make it look easy. Well, thanks. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so that's that's change. That's navigating change for us uh, from the perspective of a father in a few different areas. But um, do you have anything else, helpful advice, anything that you've learned as a dad it could pertain to this subject. It could not pertain to this subject. Um, what's something that you feel that you've gained as a father that you think would help other dads as they navigate change or just being a dad? Um, I would say that um, I don't know if it's the most important thing, but it has to be up there in the top five or so, maybe three. 
is you um, have a list for this too uh, <laughs> um, is being self-honest about who you are uh, who you were growing up who your parents are um, learning to appreciate the good in your parents um, I mentioned my split home situation there's a lot of details there but you know my parents had a messed up life mm-hmm. and I was a result of that I was a result of their bad choices you know my mom got pregnant um, with with me and my sister during a time of uh, a lot of bad decisions and so it's like in spite of like that and the mess that I grew up in and all that stuff it's like there's value there's my my parents brought value into my life and um so self-honesty in that i have to analyze my upbringing and realize what my defaults are um and so you know who knows there's a million scenarios you could bring up but um when these things occur in my adult life as a parent I, I am pre-programmed to react a certain way based off of how I was raised. Sure. And so I didn't experience being a dad until I became a dad. And it was when I was 30. And so anything that I navigate and there's more coming that I'm not even don't even know is coming. But it's going to be like when my sons do things to frustrate me, I'm going to react a certain way. Yeah. And it's going to be. If I don't help it, it's going to be how I saw my parents react. And that's just kind of what's programmed deep inside of me. And so self-honesty is important that, that I've learned and acknowledging the defaults because I can acknowledge how my parents were if I'm self-honest about it and go, okay, I really like these areas and I want to be that way. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to leave that alone. But I really don't like these areas sure. and I'm going to intentionally work on that because I know uh, in some cases I've I've shown it and in other cases it hasn't happened yet. But that's all I know. So that's probably how I'm going to react. Yeah. And so I go ahead and work on it now before it ever occurs uh, because of defaults. And so sure. I think that's one of the most important things I've learned is that if I'm going to be the dad that I'm called to be or the husband that I'm called to be and do it with excellence, I have to get in and work on me and change me and be self-honest about it or I won't ever change because yeah. I probably think I have it all together. Yeah, and I think that's awesome. And that's why I start every podcast the same way and I make this a goal of this podcast. It's one, I want to help men love being dads. I want to help dads and this is the point that i want to make i want to help dads strive to be better dads every single day and that's part of how you do it you identify what can be improved what needs to be changed self-aware of who you are how you grew up what your defaults are and saying how can i chip away at this one day at a time and it's not that you'll wake up tomorrow and you will just you know be glowing as glorious wonderful perfect dad Uh, you'll never get to that point but if you make the effort to be a better dad every day with whether you take a little baby step every day a year down the road you'll look back and you have come a long way uh, and that's the whole point so vince thanks for being with me man my um, pleasure i appreciate all your contributions um i think you gave us some good stuff to think about to challenge us and um maybe we'll have you back on to talk about some other things because i know you've 
you've definitely got more you could talk about anytime all right good to know it's at night yeah okay all right uh well thank you everyone for watching today if you've watched thank you for listening uh, this is fathering our future the podcast for dads i'm anthony vandegrift and i hope you'll join me next time